0: Hello and welcome to the Creating Chances podcast. Here at Creating Chances, we are a for-purpose social enterprise that aims to empower and create opportunities for young people through our evidence-based best practice programs. Through the transformational stories and lived experiences of educators, leaders and professionals on this show, this podcast will inspire, advise and empower those who are seeking to help create positive change within the young people of today. On today's episode, we have Eve linking up with Michelle Heyman. Michelle is a professional football player who currently plays for Canberra United and has represented Australia in major tournaments such as the 2015 Women's World Cup. The two discuss Michelle's upbringing and how it has shaped her, what it means to push yourself to the limits, and the power in being a voice for the underrepresented. Enjoy the episode.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle Heyman, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, me too. All right. So um, before you are the person you are today, really living this entire life, having some amazing accomplishments under your belt, um, I just want to hear a little bit about yourself, like where you grew up, your family, and just kind of where you come from.
2: Yeah, um, all right. So I grew up in a small town south of um, Wollongong called Shell Harbour. I'm a coasty kid, grew up surfing, bodyboarding from a young age, um, was always outdoorsy, um, played every single sport under the sun, um, would do anything to get me out of school. Uh, <laughs> I have an older brother and an older sister, so I'm the baby of the family. Um, mum and dad, my dad did pass away last year, but growing up, we, you know, we're one of those close-knit families, very Bogan, very Aussie,
1: (laughs) um, (laughs) simple living. My family's from down there, so I get it, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) very simple living, um nothing about setting career goals. It's more about, you know, um, making ends meet to be able to be part of a family um, and just living an easy lifestyle. That's kind of how I grew up. And um, it, I think that's something that I hold close to me, but also something that I try and to make sure that I don't have. I, <laughs> I would rather be more comfortable within life. Um, so I think knowing where, I've, where I have come from, Um, to where I want to go is kind of quite special Um, but definitely love growing up on the beach Uh, would definitely like to retire in that area when I'm older
1: definitely if you grow up around somewhere like that you just feel like that's where your home is especially being by the ocean there's something just beautiful and soothing about it
2: most definitely um the biggest thing with myself especially with my career always being based out of canberra i totally didn't go to the beach for 8 years and i was like wow what happened i i forgot about it because i was so focused on football and training meanwhile um i i forgot what the ocean ocean could actually do for you and being able to relax you and make you feel at ease and that's something that i definitely want to bring back into my life and to make sure that you know i'm I'm near the ocean. Um, it helps you out. It helps your body, makes you feel better. So it's definitely um, something that I want in my life.
1: Yeah. With your parents, you mentioned that um, it was just kind of like a bit of a, a struggle sometimes making ends meet, but they were insanely hard workers. Do you think that those kinds of values are some things that they've instilled in you to become a professional sports person or did that just kind of happen?
2: No, I think definitely that's something that helped me um, push myself. Um I think being at a young age, I never knew that we were poor, but um, when you eat Vegemite on toast every night for a while um, for dinner, that's kind of when you start to realise that maybe we don't have as much money. Uh, My mum's trick was to always um, make sure we had at least one or two glasses of milk with dinner um, just so we would actually feel full. Um, So we did have a lot of struggles, but like we grew up in housing commission um, until the age, I was the age of six or seven. Um, so I didn't have my childhood all in the housing commission, but my brother and sister definitely did. Um, I loved it. I didn't, I loved being able to hang out with kids that entire time of my life growing up. So I really enjoyed that side of things, but it made me open my eyes. Um, it made me want to work harder. Um, it's something that I don't, I don't look at my parents different because of the way that they live their life at all. I love that they're able to um, have that lifestyle and to f- still be in love and to feel, f- feel full. Um, meanwhile, with myself, I set high standards and from that I wanted to continue to be the best person that I could be. So it's definitely helped push me in the right direction. Um, but also I think that's a mentality thing for myself. Um, I always wanted more. I was born a winner and <laughs> I really wanted uh, to make sure that whatever I do, I got a trophy or a medal at the end of the day. I wanted to be the best and it's, um, it's kind of ingrained in me.
1: I love that. But I mean, that's a classic number nine mentality, right? It's like you're at the front, I'm going to score the goal. There has to be this achievable recognition at the end of it more than anything. Is, is that why you're a number nine or did that just happen naturally?
2: I think it just happened naturally. It was kind of funny how I was taught how to play football. I I went to my um cousin's team. They did an extra player and they were like, Okay, you're fast, so we'll put you up top. And I was like, perfect. I was like, I don't know how to kick a ball. I don't know how to play. I've never played before, but surely I'm fine. Um, my mum said I was very I can gifted run, from right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I was very gifted at a young age. My mum was kind of worried about me because I was either um very weird stories, but I was either climbing on the roof of the house at the age of four, you know, um, walking along the top of the monkey bars. I was just always living on edge, but doing things that my older brother was doing because I wanted to be better than boys. Um, So when I was 10, I went to my first ever soccer session. I was on the field. They were like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to kick the ball long. And now you just run and you just got to put the ball in the back of the goal. Like that's it. And to me it was that simple and I understood the game just like that and that's how I became a footballer and I loved it. I loved the feeling of just being able to run past people, take them on and have a shot on goal and, you know, scoring goals is just an amazing feeling um, and it brings me so much joy that from the age of 10 to my age now at 32, I still get that same rush, that same positive, happy feeling from scoring goals.
1: Man, I've, I've got goosebumps. Right, just like that emotion of, of scoring a goal. Like there's nothing that beats it as soon as it hits the back of the net and it's that kind of swoosh sound oh. if it's if the nets are hung right and you just feel like this is irreplaceable,
2: right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like and you never forget that moment. You can over – I've seen so many of my goals just flash through my mind and I always watch the ball hit the back of the net. Like it's always that's the last thing that you see when you score a goal and it's that sound. And it's that feeling and um, to this day like I still remember mine when it hit the back of the net at um, the Olympics in Rio taking uh, the penalty and I was just like I just stared and watched that ball go in and I was like that's the
1: feeling. (laughs) Did you know as soon as you hit the ball that it was going to be a goal?
2: Yeah. And the funny thing about myself is as a forward, you know, how we're, we're kind of comfortable. We're cocky. We're very like cool under pressure, um, that we, we actually enjoy pressure. I hate taking penalties. So I was so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I was walking up to the ball and I was saying to myself, you are wonder woman. You're wonder woman. Just kick the ball in the corner. You'll be fine. It's that simple. Just put it past the goalkeeper, just aim for one corner and go for it. And I kind of didn't look up at the goalkeeper walking out towards her as well. I just kind of was like, no, I'm in my own little trance thing at the moment. I'm just going to focus on me. As soon as I kicked it, I just felt all this release. (laughs) And I was like, thank you. I was like, I was so proud (laughs) of myself. So happy. It was just such a nice feeling, you know, to be able to do that for your country in such a big game.
1: That's unbelievable. I think, yeah, we've, we've stepped forward like 10 steps here. I'm just so enthralled by the feeling of it and being that kind of footballer. Right. But, um, yeah, there was, there was a process for you to become a Matilda, which is kind of unusual from most Matildas, right? Like you were the, what the first Matilda who hadn't gone through being a young Matilda as well. Like, how did that happen? So did you go from a club to there or what, what was the experience?
2: Yeah, so I was very grateful that the W League started. So season one of W League, I um, I think I was 21 years old or 20 years old. And I was lucky enough to be scouted um, by Alan Stagic, um, old Westfield Matildas coach, Sydney FC coach. Um, so I used to play against his club, MacArthur Rams, where most of the Matildas players used to play. So Kylie Ledbrook, Daniel Brogren, uh Lena Karmes, they all played for that NPL team in Sydney. Um so I kind of he kind of saw me playing for the Illawarra Stingrays then everyone spoke about the W League happening and um kind of from that day forward that's when I kind of got a little bit more recognized um people saw what I was capable of doing and um I got my first contract for um season 1 for Sydney FC I only lasted 3 games but <laughs> um <laughs> From then on, it was the following year at the Central Coast Mariners in the W League. That's when I, I started to shine. I um, That's when I won the Golden Boot. I won the Julie Dolan medal. I kind of had the best season of my life. And from that season, um, the Matildas, they couldn't say no. You couldn't win um, pretty much everything for the Australian club without playing for your national team so I was lucky enough from that season to be called into uh, a Matilda's camp and f- literally from that day forward I never missed one camp until I retired so um, it was a big journey yeah <laughs> very tiring yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah so for myself if it wasn't for W League um, I don't know if I would be this person I am today um, but again I believe that with my skill and my t- raw talent that I th- would have probably made it some other way into the national team. There would have been someone else who would have been able to see me. I do believe that this was a path for myself um, and I created that by continuing to play, continuing to push myself and um, yeah, I was just lucky enough and grateful enough to be spotted at the right time.
1: Was that always a goal for you to play for the Matildas?
2: Not at all. It was funny. So it just um, happened. Yeah. I literally never thought that, like, you know, I've always wanted to go to the Olympics. I've always wanted to, you know, actually it was just that, full stop. I just wanted to go to the Olympics. That's all I ever wanted to do. That was my goal from um, childhood. Within football, I didn't even know really that there was the Matildas. I never watched football on TV. I never... I didn't even know there was a women's team. And that's that's just me being blunt. Like I had no idea that the Matildas existed. And next minute I'm playing for them and training with them. So it was a very quick turnaround for myself um, to even feel that I belonged within the Matildas because of that one reason. Um, a lot of these girls definitely do go through the system. They go through playing for the young Matildas and then you make your mark into the Matildas team. For myself, coming from the outside of not knowing what's going on to a W League team to then being in the national team, um, kind of is definitely a different way to go about it. Um, but <laughs> it worked for me. Um, my teammates were a little bit shocked because I was definitely far behind on certain things, um, skill wise, and that because I've never been taught properly. Um, I was always coached by dads of my teammates, Um, never really had a professional coach to be able to guide me and help me improve as a player. So I was definitely lacking when I first went to the Matildas. But, you know, you put yourself in an environment with 20 other talented people, you're only going to learn and you're only going to learn fast. So I was very lucky that I'm kind of like a sponge when it comes to seeing things and watching other people play that I absorbed everything that I needed to learn um, to become a footballer. A proper one. That's
1: brilliant. Yeah, yeah, a proper, <laughs> proper right? one. Like... <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> not just winging it wow. at the park anymore.
1: <laughs> so, do you think that um, there was a little bit not resent from from teammates who had kind of gone through the structures of it, and then it's just like, well, where where did this player come from, and now she's stepping into to our team, or was it? Um, did you feel that, or was it kind of an acceptance as soon as you walk, walked into it? I don't think I ever felt it, I, like maybe here and
2: there with a couple of players, especially um, for, you know, you're competing for one spot on the field and there's three other number nines within that camp. So probably towards them, they're like, who the hell is this new girl coming along? Like, I've never seen her around. Like, how is she at of camp already? Um, so of course there was always that. But again, for myself, I love pushing myself to the limits and I enjoy, you know, trying my hardest at all time. And I said it before, I don't like losing. I like to be the best. And that's just something that's ingrained in who I am as a person. So I just pushed myself and it took me, you know, I got my first cap in 2010, um, for the Matildas. But after that, like I didn't play for a while. Um, and I only played like maybe 10 minutes. So I needed to make that mark. I wanted to become a starting player for the Matildas. And to do that, I just had to continue to try and be better than the players that were already there. And that's, what I hope that every single player that enters the Matildas um tries to do because you don't want to be a benchy. You never want to sit on the sideline. Um it's nice sometimes if you're tired, but like you want to be playing for your country. <laughs> you're always gonna push yourself and you have to push your teammates to do that.
1: Yeah, you're there for a purpose, right? And the purpose is to it, be in the starting eleven and contribute eg- to your team. Exactly.
2: And that's the main that's the number one focus. Like if you're not pushing for a starting spot then you're missing something um, within your mentality of wanting to be the best for your country, in my eyes.
1: Mm. Wow. So you were playing for the Matildas for a while, but you hadn't really experienced, um, as you said, so much game time in different places, like you were getting 10 minutes maybe for the season. Um, and then you went overseas a little bit. Was that to to garner experience around when you can go back and play for the Matildas or what was that?
2: Yeah, 100%. That was it. That's you just got that one right on point. Um, so Tom Samani at the time was our Matildas coach. Um, and he advised me to go overseas and get experience because, um, I wasn't going to get any in the national team. Um, I wasn't ready yet to be playing for the Matildas. So he said, go overseas. You need to learn what it's like to be one, an international player, play in a different type of league and see, you know, being away from home, you definitely grow as a person. And I think, at that time in my life is that's something that I, I needed. Um, so I was kind of a bit frustrated with him to make me go overseas at the start. Cause I just assumed I was, you know, I'm the best, you know, I'm always working to be the best player. Um, but I'm glad I listened to him. I'm glad I went over there. Um, it definitely changed myself a little bit. It made me grow up to be so far away from home. I was living in Denmark. So, um, it's very far from home. um, but it made me be a better player in ways that maybe not physically or mentally but more so just um, just maybe a little bit more knowledge or maybe just a little bit more of seeing other styles of play, seeing other countries play and what their difference is within – Denmark the girls are a lot more physical compared to Australia so it was very rough it was very tough and that's something that I could always hold myself up accountable for um I was quite bigger at that time when I was overseas I think I was like you know 70 kilos or something so I was quite heavy um so I managed to bring that back into the Matildas and did it help me um maybe a little bit (laughs) um It's something that I needed to do and it definitely helped me get to, you know, have more sessions within the Matildas and it gave me more opportunity to make that tour every time we went away Um, because that was my major struggle. I'd be at every single training session, every camp, but would never get to go overseas on the plane. So Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um, as soon as I did that in Denmark stint, then I came back to Australia and I kind of went overseas every time with the Matildas. So it must have helped.
1: (laughs) It, it seems like it did then, right? <laughs> I think so.
2: I'm always hard on myself, but I think it did.
1: <laughs> yeah, but with those things as well, it's, it's hard to discount if you didn't experience that. Like what would have happened otherwise for Matildas? And you can't think about it that way because you did go and you did learn these things. But maybe if it's not just for the football standpoint of playing against different skillful players, a, a different kind of rough play, but the... I guess, mental side of going to a country that is so far away from your family, having to deal with that, was that quite difficult for you? As you said, you were quite a close-knit family. Yeah,
2: it was. Um, It was very quiet. (laughs) It was very, very quiet. I was lucky, though, I had Ivy Lewick. Um, We played together. So she's the Brisbane Raw girl, Matilda's as well. So I was lucky, well, not Brisbane Raw anymore. She's Melbourne City. But um, I was lucky enough to have another Aussie there because it's, again, it's not an English speaking country. So that was the biggest mistake that I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I was very grateful to go with her as she is um, an older player. She's maybe like five years older than myself, but she's very wise and she's very um, knowledgeable of being overseas. And she's had numerous amount of contracts overseas. So she kind of guided me and helped me through that entire time in Denmark. So um, I think I should owe her most of the credit, actually. I think she got me through um, the quiet times and being by myself. And, you know, I'm glad that I had a a good friend and a best friend um, throughout that time.
1: Well, is that support network of having someone there that's understanding your experience and what you're going through but able to guide you a really important thing?
2: I definitely believe so. Um, Sometimes, like now within my age, it's good and bad. Um, you kind of need someone outside of the football world as well to be able to hopefully understand certain things that you're going through because you can't, you know, you might want your partner to be that person. I always found it hard if, um, I would, I would want my partner to be in the outside world because I have my football people that I need to, to talk to, to help me get me through. But then on, you know, everyday life, you kind of need an outlet for everything else. So I was grateful that I had, you know, the guidance of Ivy going throughout that entire season. Um, and at that age again, that's everything that I needed. It was just a – I was a young soul, young pup.
1: <laughs> Man, it's awesome that you could kind of rely on someone as well, but I think that's it's important finding those different support networks in your life as well. It's like, okay, I can have an echo chamber of people that are telling me what I need to hear, but having people that challenge you and push you forward a little bit as well is super vital.
2: Yeah, most definitely. I have to agree with that.
1: Yeah. So something that um that I really personally admire about you is that you have always been super open just about who you are, your story, um, and everything that kind of goes along with that. So, I mean, you were you went to the Olympics. So well done. That was your goal, <laughs> um, in <laughs> <Yay>. two thousand and sixteen. <laughs> um, but you were. Is it right that you were the only openly gay Australian at the Olympics?
2: Yeah, for Team Australia. How crazy! In a world that That's- we live in, yeah, I still I, – I giggled about it when it happened because, you know, um, there's X amount of players now within the Matildas who have come out as gay and with their partners and are happy living their lives. But during that time, um, a lot of people weren't comfortable and didn't want, I think, the outside world looking down on them or looking in on their relationship. It was more about why don't you just look at my football and I'll show you on the field. With myself, I can't really hide how gay I am. Like, <laughs> I am so comfortable with who I am as a human um, that I would always, you know, post about whoever I'm in love with, or I would always share stories, and I would always be so open with it. Because, one, the biggest thing that I found is if I'm a voice of the LGBTI community, I'm going to help someone who is younger than me um, be comfortable within their skin. And the more I can be comfortable in my own skin um, definitely is, you know, it's inspiring for the young um, generation of young LGBTIQ um, people coming through to be able to have role models and especially athletes um, in the world. So for myself to come out and be the only gay member for Team Australia, I was so hyped. And the cool thing about it was at the um, (laughs) – It was so funny. In the village, they had their own, like, you know, LGBTI friendly um setup everywhere. So I was allowed to go into this private room and you're only allowed to go in there if you identified as that. So I was, yeah, I was like, this is cool. I have my own little party room. I, I got to meet people from other countries. Um it was really, really nice to, you know, see other people be comfortable within their skin. And it still shocked me, and it shocked my family, um, that I was the only gay one um, within the Matildas, like not even the Matildas, but within Team Australia to come out. But yeah, I, I'm very grateful that I said yes, and it's not like I was ever going to say no. But like to be given that opportunity to be the voice for Australia was kind of cool. Mm,
1: that's astounding, and and like I was just mirroring what you said. It's it really surprises me that you were the only person that felt like that they were able to, to be open about it at that time. And I mean, being that role model, hopefully more people will kind of follow. It's like.
2: Exactly. Like yeah, that's had, the biggest, that's, that's the big picture. It's like, okay, like, cool. I'll just be me again. Don't really care. But, um, it is, it's all about, you know, <laughs> being a voice, being louder, being able to show people that it's okay. Um, you're always going to have people judge you and you have people judge you. Even if you are straight, it doesn't like people are, that's just some sort of people are just, they just do those things. Um, So you can't hide from who you are. I feel like if you do kind of, you know, it makes things quite challenging. Like um, I'm not sure if you've read in the media lately, but um, Dan Palmer came out as the first um, gay Wallaby player and I've been best friends with him through high school. We grew up together Um, and to see his struggle and what he had to go through to finally feel comfortable about saying that he was gay. Um, it's just wild. And I think there is a difference between female athletes and male athletes. Um, I feel like male athletes have it a lot harder than what women do. Um, but he did not get one negative thing written about him about coming out. And that only just happened. That was maybe like two weeks ago. And it was so powerful for me to see that and it was so nice to see that um, just because he made himself feel un- vulnerable to be able to have this and to do this, but he did it for the next generation of players and that towards for me is just something so positive and so powerful and then to see no negative um, backlash at him, you know, the world's changing. It's from 2016 to where we are today. That's four years and things have definitely changed.
1: Yeah, I, I, I recently read about um, him expressing that as well and uh, all of his wallaby mates, like Hooper coming out and just be like, this is an awesome thing that you're doing for the sport and it's, and it's changing and hopefully you've paved the way for some people moving forward as well. But maybe the reception would have been different a few years ago, which is why yeah. he's waited for his time and that's a personal journey as well. But it's incredible that he's able to do it now and there's no negative backlash yeah like
2: how good's that it just sounds so nice (laughs)
1: I'm like I had backlash
2: when I still came out and I was like and I had it easy so it's it's so nice to see um where the world's shifting towards that
1: absolutely yeah did that change your experience at the Olympics at all like because you said that there's a lot of players that they just wanted to focus on their football but for you it's like well this is who I am and this is everything of who I am so did it change your reception being a player there or um
2: no not at all I think um I kind of like I'm gay because I'm gay. Like I was just that's who I am, and I don't I never put on a persona to be like I'm gay today, and I'm gonna like push that so much. Um, it's more like I I am Michelle, literally like, um, and that's how I identify myself as as Michelle. I don't do anything else. Like that's who I am, and that's it. That's what you get. Um, so there was no ever pressure on me. There was no added anything else. It was kind of you know me being comfortable with my own skin makes me be a better player um i feel like if you have issues within your mind about certain things like that you definitely can't perform as what you would your your highest ability when you've got things in the back of your mind
1: Mm. you mentioned as well that there's a lot of young people that look up to you as a role model um and you've said a few times as well that like at your matches young people will come up to you and just share letters with you and you read these stories where they're just coming to terms with their sexuality or figuring it out but that's a big responsibility for you to take it on is it is that how you find it or it's more of an empowering thing that hey they can talk to me
2: yeah more so empowering I love being able to you know for themselves to be able to put something down on paper means that they're ready to get it out um in my eyes and from that step to be able to hand it to someone else to, you know, put their life in my hands for a minute to read what they're going through and then to give them advice or, you know, to it might just, they just might need a hug. They might just, I literally usually would just give them a hug and just be like, it's going to be okay. Like, cause I know it is. Even if um your parents don't accept you straight away or the people around you don't accept you straight away that you love, they will come around. um It just might take people a little bit longer, but I still believe being your true self is definitely better than hiding in the shadows and keeping those demons inside of you when, you know, you're not going to flourish. You're not going to be the best person of yourself. Like you're always going to be, you know, second guess in everything, um, feeling uncomfortable, feeling hidden. And yeah, to be successful in life, I don't think you can have those shadows. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's a powerful kind of stuff for a lot of, a lot of people to hear in lots of different aspects of their life.
2: Yeah, Um, definitely.
1: And like, I might be wrong.
2: Like I might, like I'm not a doctor (laughs) or anything, but it's like, this is my experience and this is how I've dealt with it. So, um, I truly always have a outlook on life as a very positive thing. Um, I never look at anything as a negative, um, especially, you know, look at the world that we're in right now. Like I'm We're living in a strange time, but you always have to rely on and look at the positive outcomes of every single day. Like if I'm healthy and still being able to run around and kick a ball, still be able to be around people that I love, um, I'm definitely winning in life. Um, So, you know, that's how I look every day. Every day is positive. My whole outcome in life has to be um, that positive attitude.
1: Are you just a naturally positive person looking towards those things to be grateful for? Is that something that you have to work towards?
2: Um, it's funny. I think I, I don't know if I read it somewhere, but I, I would have read it somewhere. It was something about like, just having that positive mindset is so much better than just being negative. And it literally was that simple for me to be like, okay, that's it. I'm changing everything in my life. Like I'm always going to be positive. I'm always going to be happy. Even if I'm sad, I'm going to feel those feelings, but there's always going to be some sort of positive outcome to come from it. There's always, there's always going to be a shift. my biggest problem within myself was I always struggled with emotions and feeling feelings and feeling feelings in that were the right feelings to feel. I was always confused on what was sad, what was happy, what was angry. Like I couldn't actually identify what I was feeling. Um, I think because I did have that positive mind shift, um, but again, that's something that I adapted to, figured it out, and still turned it into a positive. Because <laughs> I don't know. I I feel like life's too short. It's way too short to be upset, negative, angry about things. It's I believe that, you know, we don't have many days on this earth, so let's just live them all to the fullest that you can and, you know, be a good person. Be kind to one another, like Ellen would say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it seems so straightforward, doesn't it? Just it does. Don't be a jerk. Be nice to people and yeah. good things come your way. Hundred percent. Like you would rather
2: surround yourself with better people than to hear people complaining or be negative about something. Like I have learned over the years to step away from friends that used to do that around me because I couldn't deal with it anymore because it was just painful. It was painful to listen to just boring, negative conversation. Meanwhile, you shift that, you surround yourself with positive people, positive people who want to do something um, within, you know, within sport, within the community, within just the everyday life. But you know, it's so inspiring to be around positive people and to see positive change. Um, And that's something that I will continue to do and it's something that I want to, you know, ingrain within my Heyman FC culture. Like that is the main thing that I want to ingrain in it is to have that outlook on life.
1: When when you were younger, did you, was that the moments where you were surrounded maybe by people that weren't really serving your purpose and and helping you out and... So it was when you were younger or? Yeah, so I, you know, like I had, like,
2: you know, my parents came to every single soccer game from the age of 10 to the age of, oh, God, 20. we were always there, would drop me off at my training sessions when I was younger, would do everything for me. They would never push me though. That was the difference with my family and my upbringing is I was never pushed in to do anything. Um, And I think that was when... I started to, you know, see positive within myself because, you know, I had to have that responsibility. I had to do this. I had to get to training. I had to, you know, perform on the field and get better if I wanted to have a future within sport. Um, But again, you know, I think it came from a young age, but also I think it's just gradually growing through my life of what I've wanted and where I've come from and um, the people I've met along the way. And, you know, I think, every single step in my life has always come back to um, positiveness. It's just that's who I am. I think it's all over, young, small, (laughs) you know, the whole journey. um, (laughs) It was always trying to have a positive outcome.
1: That's unreal. And for a lot of people looking from the outside in and seeing you as such a positive person, um, it's often quite difficult for people to understand that yeah, this is something that maybe I'm outwardly showing, but you've been open as well about dealing with anxiety at different times and a pressure to perform um, to be able to score goals, but then also dealing with heaps of injuries as well. It's like this is something that I can't control, but I still want to perform to a certain level. How did you cope? And yeah, how did you cope with that?
2: Yeah, so. The anxiety was a big thing for me because I had no idea what anxiety was, never heard of it. Like I had no idea what was going on in my mind at that time, but I was just feeling like I was having panic attacks at at nighttime, trying to go to sleep. I was overthinking and I just thought it was kind of normal because I would have conversations with my teammates within the Matildas. And guess what? They were having the same feelings. So I was just like, oh, maybe we just trained too hard today. Or, you know, maybe something happened within the day. So I never thought it was anything more than just being a professional athlete um, until I sat down with our psych for the Matildas and told her what was going on within my mind, um, how I was struggling to sleep, how, um, you know, I would lay in bed and just lose my breath and then try and count my breath and then would couldn't get my mind off breathing for a long time and then it would turn into an attack and then you know I would just have to be quiet because I've got a roommate and you're in a national team hotel where you can't you sleep is so important so you can't wake up your roommate when something like this is happening so you'd keep it to yourself but I had that conversation with the psych and she literally just said you're anxious (laughs) and it was that simple all I needed was a reasoning behind it because then I was like okay well, that's easy. Now I can fix the problem. And for me, it was smiling. It was telling my um, brain, thank you. I've had enough of listening to you. Um, So as soon as I say thank you to my mind, um, it literally was turn off. Um, And that's how I dealt with it. Um, It took me a while, but I got there in the end. It's not as easy as thank you brain. And I'm all better now. Um, I wish it was, but it definitely took a long time to figure out that that worked best for myself. Um, but yeah, injuries as well within, you know, a sporting world is just something that you never want to be a part of. And I was very lucky. I was only 28 when I got my first injury. So I managed to do my entire life without hurting myself. And then straight after the Olympics coming back, um, I broke my big toe in, round one against Brisbane raw, played on it for 10 weeks broken. And then I was just getting injections so I could not feel my foot so I could continue to play. And then I had too many injections. So they canceled my injections and they said, you're just going to have to run on it for this game. And that game I managed to jump up, roll my ankle and literally snapped every single ligament within my foot and was out for nine months. After the doctor told me I would be out for three months. So then there was another mental thing that I had to try and overcome and fix. And most people don't do this, but I went behind my doctors for the national team and I went and got a second opinion because I wasn't getting better and I was frustrated and I was living in Canberra. So I went to the AIS and I went and asked for more help. And lucky enough that I did that um, I ended up getting an injection um, full of saline. Literally, they just insert saline into your ankle and try and pop all the scar tissue throughout my ankle and my toes and my foot. And I walked out of that room. I came in in crutches and I walked out and that's all I needed. And that's something that I, I feel very proud of myself to be able to do that, to be able to take, you know, my own responsibility of my own self, my own body and go behind the backs of the Matildas to get what I needed to do to be back in the team. So that was my first injury and then again niggling pains 2018 2018 I knew something was up with my knee again being part of the Matildas you train and train and train your load is through the roof you you know you're not in control of your own body at sometimes you just have to manage and go through the training session and hope that you can survive. Um And I just couldn't survive. I knew something was wrong with my knee. Um, Again, uh, they were unsure. I think maybe they thought I was a little bit soft, which kind of frustrated me a little bit more because, you know, I'm 30 years old. I know my body. Um, And I was, yeah, never played a game when we were over in Jordan for the AFC qualifiers. Came back to Sydney, got a scan, flew to Adelaide the next day for surgery and I broke my kneecap. So, I was still trying to play with a broken kneecap, push myself to play for my country, to do these things um, when I knew something was up. So, again, I went, tried to be positive, tried to give them the benefit of the doubt, tried to be part of a team player, do all that. But again, there's some things in a team environment that are right and wrong. And, you know, um, you think you're in control of your body. But sometimes you're not when it's in that environment. So I went through those injuries, which is also massive, challenging. Got told from the national team that I'd probably never play again after my knee injury, which again frustrated me a little bit more because I told them that I was sore and they still continued to push me to play on it. Um, and it frustrated me because I could have I could have lost my career over that. I could have you know never been able to play again. Never could have you know, play for fun, be part of just a normal team. It didn't have to be for the Matildas, but I still wanted to play and for them to say, oh, but we don't think you would come back from this injury. So, you know, there goes my Matildas' dreams, over, shattered, ruined, and then that's kind of when probably a little bit more of depression came into my life and this is the whole reasoning behind why I just had to put my hand up and say no more for the Matildas and step away from it because it was just getting way too much. So there's I go through a massive big positives, ups and downs, ups and downs. But myself, I push back to make it positive, even though I know it wasn't positive during that whole time. But positive again, as look at me now. I'm back playing. I'm back in the W League. I've pushed myself again, and I'm proving people wrong. That is also fun as an athlete. (laughs) Yes. You mentioned
1: like way before I was like, yeah, when you were young, I just – had to beat the boys you know like I had to beat my siblings I had to be the best so it's, it's that same thing well now I'm on the world stage I'm this player I've got to beat myself almost
2: yeah um, exactly just to get 10%. Yeah, yeah so, so it the, seems like oh sorry
1: you go, gonna sorry say, like, it seems like with, with that that kind of dipping in positivity sometimes obviously you're just pretty standard you know with that positivity and how you encounter life and see its problems but it also seems like there's a certain level of pragmatism around it it's like okay well I've stuffed my knee what can I do so it's not getting totally overwhelmed by that one thing all right I can't control this but more so what can I control around the situation did that help you throughout that journey?
2: Yeah definitely so um you know I was being told no you won't play again I was kind of like well okay see you all later and then I started my own life in the media side of things because I still wanted to do, you know, be positive, be part of football, be a part of it all. And that's when I started to work with Fox Sports. And I was like, okay, well, it's much easier than running around on the field. I get to sit, <laughs> commentate, you know, <laughs> analyze games. I was like, I can do that. That's that's easy. Um, but again, that's something because of myself. Like I I am positive and I've made great networks throughout my career, but I took – a no and made it a yes in somewhere else. And I made it a yes with media. Um, And then from that on, like having a great time doing work with Fox Sports, fantastic. That feeling of being part of that team with the commentators, working with Tara, working with that tight little network kind of made me miss being on the field side of things. So it did full circle. It went from me hating it because of my injuries, me being upset, um, this negative, 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 shifted to a positive to be media and then shifted again to be a positive to be like, okay, I do love football and then shifted again <laughs> to now me being here today, um, you know, about to kick off my first week in W League.
1: Wow. It's just yeah. trusting the process.
2: It's – exactly. Out. Yeah, that's 100%. Like – I know what my body's capable of. I know what I'm capable of. Or I know that um, having the right team around me um, will make me a better player and it's having the right physios around me, the right people who, you know, believe in me and are willing to back me um, and that's something that I have here in Canberra and it's always been that special here. So, yeah, again, massive positive. Who would have thought 32 year old girl getting back out of football, back on the pitch, running, (laughs) beating the little kids up, (laughs) having heaps of fun doing it, you know, and just um, proving a point again, probably to myself to say that I am capable. If someone tells me, no, I'm going to go do it, like, and Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do it better than what they thought they could ever imagine.
1: That's unreal spirit. (laughs) more than anything thank you yeah (laughs) but yeah so you're back at canberra united now you've recently announced it um congratulations first off um thank you you. super stoked to be like back to your home club where it all started
2: yeah 100 percent. it's so nice it's just so simple here um main focus is you know i set my self goals straight away um that's the type of player I am, and it was mainly to focus on myself and again that's selfish, but also as a forward, I want to be the best player that I can be, and sometimes I need to work on my little things, but that even comes to the you know the better I am as a player individually is the better for the team so I've been working on my fitness I did a pre pre season to make sure that I was ready um <laughs> for this season and this is the first time ever in W League that there actually has been a preseason um, that's been longer than two weeks. So we're up to our six weeks now with Canberra United, and it's just insane. Like I'm fitter, wow. I feel good. Yeah, it's just a such a good environment, and it's a very professional environment. So um, the season is gonna, you know, it's gonna come around on Wednesday. We kick off, and I can see something special happening. I think with the way that we're playing, we are. A, quite a young squad, but, you know, um, you're only going to get experience when you get on the field. So we've got to give them a shot. And I think this is the year for, for the next generation, um, you know, of the next Matildas coming through are going to shine during this W League season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even if, especially going six weeks before the season, I can just imagine that on Wednesday it's going to be an absolutely cracking first match where everybody's yeah. <laughs> had a tumultuous 2020. You're getting into it. You've been training so hard. Do you think it's going to change even more so the W League? Because we've gone through so many changes in the last 10 years from when you started to now. Do you think that this is on the precipice of something again?
2: Yeah, I definitely think so. Like a lot of people had a little bit of negative thought about the W League because of all the Matildas that are overseas playing um, right now. But there's still a handful of Matildas and ex-Matildas within the W League. Um, There's a lot of young Matildas still within the W League and – these young kids coming through are ridiculous. Like one of our players, she's 16 <laughs> years old. Um, I think she's the captain of the mini Matildas. It's the first time I've ever um been able to watch her play or, you know, be able to train with her. Her name's Jessica Nash and she is going to be something special. And it's so nice for myself to be able to, you know, to see this happen day in and day out and see her hard work and see a 16-year-old mentality where, you know, she's way wiser be, beyond her years. And I feel like most of the young girls coming through are going to be quite similar to her. I'm like, if we have one in our team, I think every other team's going to have a player or two players similar to that. And, you know, this is their time to shine. WLE created me as a Matilda, and I think it's going to do the next big thing for the Matildas. Yeah, that's
1: that's amazing to hear that there's all of these players coming through and there is going to be, yeah that filter through up until the Matildas and you're going to see this incredible team in the future yep. as well which which we've got now but it's just going to change um, exactly
2: and that's what we need we need more depth and I think um, a lot of people have been saying that in the last month or so is that the Matildas are kind of you know where there's a few players who are around my age and the Matildas who are you know on the cusp of still playing or thinking about retirement so If they go, it's like, okay, well, then who's next in line? And the challenge is we don't don't have a lot. Um, And it's not like we don't have them. It's just that we haven't noticed them yet. So this is where they're going to get noticed. And this is, you know, the national team new coach, he's going to be watching these games. So you're going to go out every single day or like every every single time with your team, you know, play the best football that you can because he could be watching that game. And, you know, you're potentially going to make – and Matilda's debut because of that. So there's a lot of pressure yeah. on the young ones, but um, <laughs> I, I think it's like a positive thing for them as well. Of course I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Always a positive, positive skin. <laughs> Always positive. Yeah. Uh, um, Michelle, and with, <laughs> i to shake my head. <laughs> with, with your return to Canberra as well, you're, you're working with um, Vicky Linton, who used to be the assistant coach of the Matildas. Um, yep. and you've spoken a little bit about her style of coaching and the way that um, like that crucial quality of being a coach is your ability to create an environment where the whole team can thrive not just that one Jessica Nash who can you really prop them to the forward but how can we get around this person and use their skills to help the people around Ex- so yeah yeah like creating so, that family and inclusive nature um
2: yeah so Vicky's biggest thing she wanted to to bring that culture back. She wanted to have that Canberra United culture. She wanted to, you know, she is one of those coaches who, it's as simple as this is, but she coaches. Um, she doesn't just have a pen and paper and, you know, this is the formation that we're going to do. We're going to work on it. She will stop and start and make sure that every single player on the field knows every single one else's roles on the field. So just in case you're a midfielder and you end up making a forward run and then you get caught out, you turn into the number nine you need to know how to play number nine so she's very good on that and this is something that I think um even myself to the last couple of training sessions it's so nice for myself to still be learning because a lot of people look at me um and think you know you've been in the Matildas you must know everything but Vicky's mind's completely different to the other coaches that I've ever coached that been coached by it's a different system she's definitely um scouted and chose personnels on the structure that she wanted to play um so she's picked these certain people for a main reason she's very smart like that so she's going to work on what our strengths are and build that um throughout the w league so Again, for these younger players to be able to come through, to be able to listen and learn from a coach like this who's actually going to give them knowledge, make them understand the game better um, and the reasonings behind it, um, you know, I, I think we've got an advantage over a lot of other teams just because of her coaching style and the way that she, you know, gets the best out of players. She's very good at it and believes and has self believed and yells at us like coaches do. But she, she's quite positive. She doesn't want to be too nice because she's, again, females. Females are always, you know, where the nice pretty lady is on the field. You can't be angry. But she still wants to show that she's professional, that she's driven, that she knows her thing. She's, you know, she's one of the most – recognized female coaches within the world like she's 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 played her part she deserves to you know get a title now well I keep telling her I'm I'm ready for it
1: (laughs) (laughs) just push her forward right help her out (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) so as a coach yourself as well and, and looking at Vicky obviously as a role model as a coach the biggest things that I got from what you just said then is making sure that all of your players understand what their roles are in different situations. So yeah, if you're that number nine and then you've dropped back to support in the midfield and someone's moved up, what do you have to play as that role? So giving everybody as much knowledge as possible, um, but also the reasoning behind it. And that especially yeah. comes to working with young people. It's like you can tell them to do something, but you've got a mind of your own. You're not going to listen to someone if there's not a reason behind it. So exactly that for young people, <laughs> man, like that's an exceptional coaching kind of philosophy
2: yeah most definitely and like we've already like we played against the boys on Tuesday we're playing against 14 15 year old boys um you know they're very fast but you can see our girls already thinking and they know that the boys are faster than them so it's like okay so how do I have to deal with this situation so every time you get the ball it's a new puzzle it's a new situation it's like how can I beat that boy um and it's so nice to see them think because usually you panic under pressure and if you panic when you think and you'll just kick the ball long, but we're still trying to play football. We're trying, you know, to, to do everything that Vicky's told us within our preseason. We're trying to, you know, have combination plays, um, be smart on the ball. You it's just, it's so simple, but it's like, there's so many little key words that if you can try and remember them as a player, um, you'd be successful. So, uh, the biggest thing that we learned in this game was um, switch out. It was just make the boys run more. Like why can't we get them tired? Why can't we just keep the ball, move them around? Um, and this is what she said before the game. And she's like make them tired, then decide when to play forward, and then go um, because we can't keep up with them. So it was that simple. It worked. Yeah. Um, and, and we used it and we actually executed that quite well in that game.
1: That's that strategic team goal as opposed to saying, hey, Michelle, you're fantastic at this. Everybody get the ball to Michelle. It's like, no, yeah. as a team collectively, we need to work on this one thing and then maybe Michelle will get the ball and we can pick our moment.
2: 100%. Like we haven't even um, started yet on the forward line in our preseason. We have been working very hard within, you know, our midfield shape, our defensive shape, just being able to attack from X places on the field, Um and, you know, forwards, we're quite creative We're you know, free spirits. Um, and Vicky doesn't want to take that away from us. And she doesn't want to, you know, beat that out of us as well at training. So she kind of just lets us do our thing. And even like some of my runs, she's like, why did you do that, Michelle? Why didn't you just roll your hips this way and go that way? And I was like, oh, yeah, good point. But these are the things that I want to, <laughs> I want to be coached. I'm like, thank you. Now I'll do that. Now I'll, I can work on that. And it's muscle memory. So
0: mm-hmm. it's me
2: doing it a couple of times in the training session to now know if I see, you know, my midfielder, or midfielder on the ball like that, this is the movement that I need to do to get to, you know, X, Y, Z. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all happening. It's very positive. It's fun. Great environment. Um, girls are, ha- like, extremely happy and proud to be there. And there's this really nice positive culture back at um, Canberra United.
1: That's fantastic to hear and obviously she's been a, a leader more than anything as a coach as well. So how, with that, how do you think that coaches and educators and people in that position of leadership, especially with young people, can work towards being as inclusive as possible and creating that team kind of environment?
2: Yeah, so I think um, like Vicky's big role is no one's bigger than anyone else. Um, we're all equal which I think definitely shows true leadership within our team, um, especially because we're coming from all ages and all different levels. Um, I might be the one who's got the most caps for the Matildas, but my 16-year-old girl in my team, she might have a voice. She might need to say something. So I want her to feel comfortable to do that. And this is what Vicky has Changed, And she's, she's made that happen. So she's giving everyone a voice. Um, we don't want people to be shy. So for Canberra United, there's three players. It's me, Kendall Fletcher and Grace Ma who have an answer for every question that Vicky asked. <laughs> so we all have learnt now to sh- just keep our mouths closed and just allow, you know, people who are shy – just step up. It's their turn now to feel like they know what's going on. Because if we keep saying X, Y, Z, they're going to continue, um, to just get the answers for them and they'll never learn. They'll never get that in. So well I'm learning along the way, but again, that's something that, um, Vicky's leadership has brought into our team. Um, and I think within football, within girls football, we all need to be leaders on the field. Um, it's, it's, we've got 11 people on the field, We've got our subs, but one person being the voice or with the armband on doesn't mean that they're the leader of the team. Um, everyone has their own responsibilities and you're always are going to be pushing to make sure that you're doing the best for your team. So that's our leadership motto. That's what we're bringing into this league. It's it's getting there. It's not it's not there yet, um, but we're slowly building that within the culture um, through Canberra. But, yeah, I think Vicky's leadership as a coach um, and myself, even being a coach um, outside a W League season, it's something that you know I watch her do her thing, and I'm going to take a lot of that on board with how I'm going to coach the next generation. Because you know she's got she's got some things hidden up her sleeves, and she's <laughs> she's very good at it. So um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> leadership's one of them. Wow. It's a good quality to have.
1: Yeah, and and with that as well, I mean. You're you're on your new venture as well for your own coaching um with Heyman FC. So what's uh, I'm I'm so aware of your time right now. Like we've been talking for such a long time. That really <laughs> Does he enjoy this conversation with you? Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, Heyman FC. All right, so Heyman yeah. FC is all okay. This is something that I've been working on for a very long time. Um, It's kind of, you know, I went through MH23. I I had my own clothing line and then kind of wanted to make that bigger and better. And so I, I scrapped that one, threw that one in the bin. And I finally did something that has been a passion of mine, and that is giving back to the kids. And Heyman FC is all about, you know, it's it wants to grow leadership within female identified women, um, from young girls from the age of seven to 18. And to do that, we're going to be doing it through sport football. Um, so the goal is to be, you know, to have these teams, to have Heyman FC, to be the best female only coached by only females, um, professional players. And so W League Matildas, um, I believe that's a massive hole in the market and it's something that is so inspiring um, for the next generation to be able to be a part of something like that. So that is everything that I've always wanted to do because I look at my 10-year-old self, never had a female role model, never had anyone to look up to. Um, Now you see Matilda's faces kind of everywhere all over, you know, it's all over social media, W League players all over social media So it's like, okay, how can I bring them all into one environment to help inspire the next generation? So the main purpose of Heyman FC, we're going to be having um, coaching, mentoring, and community. And these are the big three pillars that I hold clearly to myself, dearly to myself. And, you know, you want to be coached by professionals. How inspiring it would be to be seven years old, rocking up with your little Heyman jersey on, ready to give it your all um to be like okay this is what it's like to train as a professional um and it's for all abilities it's not for, it's for your elite it's for your everyday girls who just want to get outside the house and be around um friends and it's about showing girls that i think being within a team it gives you those skills you need to be a leader in life you're going to get that from team development so you learn leadership you teamwork um you know just socializing you're going to make a best friend. Um, you're going to get so many positive things out of this and it's it's coming. It's coming along. It's almost there. We're going to launch hopefully on the 14th of January but um, in my eyes it's going to be something that's very inspiring for the next generation and I'm really looking forward to um, being able to share more about that when we've definitely done the launch and being able to help market that a little bit more.
1: Absolutely. I think... I just resonate with so many things that you've said is just not having that role model at a community level, especially as a young girl. It's like, usually it's the dads that are jumping on to coach and they've got best intentions, but the knowledge totally isn't there. But then being now having ex-Matildas, League players, and it's not only at an elite level, as you said of being that kid who maybe wants to play for the Matildas, but just being around people that you feel inspired by. That's a really special thing that you're creating.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing. I'm like, imagine what, you know, people my age could have been if they had someone to look up to, if they had inspiration within another female athlete somewhere. Um, I, I do find that quite challenging for the most of the female athletes that I know, um, that are around my age that, you know, probably Elise Perry would have looked up to a male cricketer she could never have looked up to another female cricket player because one she's the best in the world but two um you know there was there was only men on tv though so it's like that's what yeah. she had to do and you know i i didn't even watch football so there was no one for me to look up to you know be able to be like i want to be like them i'm going to try and do that run like the way that they do that run or i'm going to you know kill the ball like them and i'm going to bend it like Beckham, you know, it's always related back to a man. There's never anything about a woman, so we want to change that. We want to change. We we the world needs to change, and young girls need to be in an environment where they feel safe and confident and comfortable as well, um, where they get to spend time on the ball, where they don't get you know pushed over by the boys trying to you know score all the goals. Because some of the girls, you know, like I said, they were they're gonna go there for the social side of things and. Um, it is a bit daunting and I've heard it from players and parents when it's boys and girls together. So it's definitely something that makes me excited to be able to have just women only. Um, and it's about time. Girls need their own clinics too. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> all that, like Just kind of wrapping up, If if you could have a post-it note and give it to your 15-year-old self about something that you wish that you knew then but you didn't.
2: What would be on it? Um, oh, um, <laughs> probably like eat better food, <laughs>
1: <laughs> clear, concise, love it. <laughs> yeah, like just
2: something so silly because, um, yeah. I feel like I did pretty well for myself, um, but definitely I could have been a lot healthier at a younger age. I've only learnt now what food really means in the last couple of years. Um, and I mean that in a way of, you know, there's a sport diet that you have to eat to be a professional athlete, but you don't have to be that crazy strict on it. My life, I grew up eating, you know, chicken and broccoli and so a little bit of rice. It's very boring. Now that I've stepped outside of the world, I've explored and, you know, and I've learned to eat well and I've, um, you know, spent time going into restaurants and actually going to fine dining and having fun with food. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that I would tell myself. <laughs> so silly.
1: Delightful <laughs> advice. No, it is the yeah. small things that just create a life, right? Yeah. <laughs> Food's
2: oh. happy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Michelle, thank you so, so much for your time today. I've really, really appreciated everything that you've said and um, just love talking to you about all these different things that we've covered today from, you know, your experience being a Matilda, um, some of the things that you've kind of experienced and how you can teach other people about it. So thank you. Uh, thank really you so much. Up. It's been awesome to learn from you. Um, yeah, too sweet like
2: no up. this has been fantastic <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: been cool. Oh um, and yeah like really good luck in the new season um i'll be watching that match as soon as you kick off um and i'm really excited to see how Heyman fc goes hopefully we can link up in the future because man the stuff you guys are doing is so worthwhile and so needed and it can be so far-reaching so good luck with everything
2: thank you so much i seriously appreciate all your time Love your smiling face. You're a very positive human. It makes me feel even better about myself as well, just seeing the glow in your eyes. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for this. I appreciate it.
0: Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode and it has inspired you to keep creating chances. If you wanna hear more amazing stories, head on over and subscribe to our podcast feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast provider. And if you wanna hear more about the work that Creating Chances is doing, follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you next time on the Creating Chances podcast.